The construction industry can be a tough business to crack. From cash flow problems, struggling to find skilled labour and not making enough money for your efforts leaves many business owners feeling frustrated and burnt out. But when you get the business strategy right, it's an industry that can be highly satisfying and financially rewarding. I'm here to give you the resources to be able to create a construction business that gives you more time, more freedom and more money. This is the Develop Your Construction Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Wilkes. So today, I just wanted to talk about the subject of why you might not be making as much money as you expect on some of your projects. And this can be a real frustration if you've priced the projects, you know you've priced it right, maybe you've, uh, you've got a QS to, to price it, and you, you're 100% confident that your pricing's okay. But then once you finish the project, you just haven't made as much money as what you're expecting. Um, and that can be a real source of frustration, especially if it's a long project. If you're winning you know, 250 grand projects, 500 grand projects, and they're six months to a year long, and it takes all that time, and you get to the end of the year, and then you think, you know, that just did not go as expected. What a waste of time. Didn't make any money on it. So we want to stop that. We've, we've clearly got to stop that problem in your construction company at the moment. So what we want to do is just break down why is that happening? What's the reason for it? So the purpose of this podcast today is just to really get your brain cells firing a little bit. I'm going to go through a few reasons why projects don't quite run the way they should. And maybe there's a, a, a little bits and bobs you can take out of this that you can apply to your own sites. Now, just thinking of your sites at the moment, what's your general gut feeling? How are they running? Do you find that they're smooth? Are they running on time? Are they running on budget? Or do your sites feel like there's a little bit more chaos going on? Maybe there's overordering of materials, they're not profitable, they're a bit messy, you're not happy with the quality of the work, maybe the clients are not satisfied. So um, hopefully that's not the case for you, but unfortunately that can be the reality. It's very easy to lose control of our projects, especially if we've got multiple projects on or there's big projects going on. Um, as the business owner, when you've got so many other hats to wear in the business, you're doing the finance and um, sales and marketing and HR and whatever else, very easy to lose control of, of uh, how sites are running in your business. Now, one thing I've noticed is that the way our sites run, especially on larger projects or longer projects, is often a direct relation to how much effort has gone into setting up the site before you start. So just bear that in mind. Often the way it will run throughout the, the entire project is the way that you set up the project to begin with. And a lack of planning on the front end can really lead to a world of pain for weeks, potentially months, if uh, we don't get the planning side of it right. So I guess the first question just to ask yourselves is, how much effort am I putting in to setting up my sites? And the, I guess another important question to ask is, well, what things should we be focusing on before we get started? That'd be a valid question. Now, I've obviously been in the construction industry over 20 years. Um, I've had sites myself that have gone really well. And, I've, and of course, I've had sites that have just not gone as planned at all. Um, there's been nothing more frustrating, like I say, than finishing a project and realizing you've lost money on it. You know, you've actually paid out of your own pocket to get that customer site finished. And, and that is just absolutely heartbreaking, especially when it's a, a long project. So we really made sure that we uh, put in some crucial steps before we started sites to make sure that that didn't happen again. 
So one of the first things we wanna do before we even think about stepping down onto a site is understanding our costs. Now, if you've won a project and maybe you've won it by giving bulk price into a client, so some people uh, won't use QSs and they might bulk price projects. Um, and when I'm talking about bulk price, I'm not just talking about giving a lump sum, you know, going, right, this is a 200 grand job. Maybe you're bulk pricing into actual stages. So you might say, right, foundations are 5,000, brickworks, 20,000, carpentries, 10,000, and so on and so forth. Even that type of pricing, although the client may accept that, that's not detailed enough for you as the business owner to be running your site. So what I would do is if you've, if you've won a project like that, a decent sized project, and it's only broken down into phases or it's just a bulk price, I would really consider getting that broken down even further by using a QS company. And there's lots online, estimators online, and uh, lots of others. You do have to check their pricing. Don't, don't uh, just accept what they give you. You do need to check through it. But um, you know we won a, a, a million pound project that was using a company like Estimators Online. And yeah, we had to go in and amend a few bits and bobs, but it was you know a highly profitable project because we checked it through and it was broken down. So these companies will break it down into so much detail. It will literally tell you you know how many sheets of plasterboard you need to order. Um, it will do a takeoff, which is really useful. So you get uh, measurements of absolutely everything. And you're really gonna be able to use this breakdown for one, your subcontractor pricing to make sure that they're not overcharging you for certain items of the build but two you're going to be able to use it for your material ordering which can be you know just save you a huge amount of time so step number one is you must break down the costs and even if you've won the project get a qs or, or an estimator to do a proper takeoff of that project so you know exactly uh, the amount of materials you need to order and the price per phase and even broken down further than that so you know what is the price per item per phase was, is gonna be much more useful for you. So that's that's the first thing, break down that cost and you're gonna use that um, to serve you going forward. I would argue and say that, you know, I know some people are not a big fan of giving clients too much information on their projects, but I really feel it's useful to be completely transparent with clients, especially in this market we're facing at the moment with price volatility on materials. I think clients should know exactly what you've priced for to the square meterage. And that way you just save yourself problems. If you ever need to go back to a client after and you know raise additional costs, say, look, you know, sorry, we didn't cover this, we didn't expect this much concrete was gonna was gonna go in the foundations or whatever it is you're gonna you're gonna go back to them with. It's very difficult to do that if you've only given them a, a lump sum price and you haven't actually defined what you've priced for. So to protect yourselves, I, I really would be going down to that detail and itemizing every single cost on a project and I think that will serve you well going forward. So so step number one, as we've said, let's get those costs broken down um, at least into each trade. Uh, if you can do it per trade, that's gonna really help you going forward. Step number two is once you've, you've got the project broken down, you really then need to think about locking in your profits before you start the project. So how do we do that? How do we lock in the profits? Well, what I would be considering then is how do we get your subcontractor prices in and agreed before you even begin? So some of you may be looking after the entire project yourselves and have a completely in-house team, which is fine. 
But there's a danger of that because with an in, a full in-house team, things can overrun. You know, if you've got you know your electricians and labourers and build team that are all on day work, it's very common that projects can overrun because they've they've not got the same desire as people on price to, to get it finished in time. So I would highly consider getting as, as much as you can done on a fixed price, and that's really going to lock in your profits. So what I would be considering is taking down your breakdown of costs, having a look at them. Let's just give an example. Let's imagine we want our groundworks to come in at £10,000. I would then be going out to groundwork subcontractors and ensuring that they can do it for £10,000 and go out and get yourself three to, to five prices from, from subbies that you know and even give them the price. It's often much easier to, to tell someone what you want it done for um, than it is for them to have the, have the hassle of going away and, and trying to work it all out. So I often found that when you've got that breakdown in price, if you can go and give them that breakdown and say, look, this is what I need you to come in at, you might want to strip the material cost out of it so that you can make profit on the materials yourself and supply. But um, but yeah, you want to be locking in those costs from your subcontractors as much as, as many packages as you can do is going to serve you well. So you may well need to have your own core build team on it. Uh, you may decide that you know you need your bricklayers and your, your general builders in house and your labourers. But you know if you can lock in your electricians and your your plumbers and plasterers. Uh, decorators, whatever it's going to be, that's going to really serve you well. So the simple way of locking in the costs are working out what your gross profit needs to be per project. So let's say you're working to a 30% gross profit margin. If uh, if you've priced the project at 100,000, you need to be making 30,000 pound profit out of that. What I would then do is go into your breakdown of costs and deduct that 30% off of your breakdown of costs. So you've got your client costs in at 100,000, go in and strip that out and break it down so that you know what should your uh, total cost be for labor and materials without profit. And then you use that second spreadsheet as your um, as your budget. So you've got to come in on budget and then you know that you've locked in that 30% gross profit at the end of the, the project. So that's, that's uh, step number two. We're gonna first break down the costs and then secondly, we're gonna use that breakdown to lock in as many uh, prices as we can before we even get started, which is going to help you with your your project. Step number three is just managing your clients' expectations. So sometimes you know we, we can be great builders. We know how to run sites. Uh, we know how to build. Do that with the back of our hands. But sometimes the real biggest problem for us and the stress can be clients themselves. Clients' expectations, um, whether that's expecting how, how quickly a project's going to be done or expecting you to work in a certain way or the type of communication that they're expecting. So we really want to manage those expectations and, and understand how our client wants us to deal with this project or, or even better, tell the client um, how we're going to deal with it so they understand how we work. So it's really crucial to have a pre-start meeting with the client and set out all the expectations with that client. So we used to do this, we would have a pre-start meeting with the project manager and the sales uh, the, the sales director who'd, who'd won the project. And we would just sit down with the client and just let them know simple things like, for example, what are the hours of communication? You know, we don't want the project manager being contacted at seven, eight o'clock at night. You know, he's got a life to live as well. So let's keep the communication between eight and five. 
unless it's an emergency, then then leave a message and, and we'll get back to you. So that's that's crucial. Set the client expectation with communication. How are you going to communicate? Is it going to be done on things like WhatsApp, which I would not recommend <laughs> because again, uh, it's, it's too intrusive for the, the project manager. It, it, your phone's going to be going off uh, at 10 o'clock at night when the client thinks of something. So um, set the expectation with, with how you communicate, what channels we use. Maybe you, you say something like, all our communication needs to be on email because if you start texting us or uh, using Facebook Messenger or whatever other communication methods they can think of, um, it's gonna get lost. Whereas if we can keep everything on email, it's all, um, it's all in one place, all in one channel, and we can track any changes going forward. So manage the expectation with communication. The second thing we want to manage expectation with is how often we're going to have progress updates with the client. So are we going to have a weekly meeting that we all attend? Um, is that meeting going to be minuted, which I recommend? So make sure that when you've had that meeting, um, action points that you've got to take and the client's got to take have got to be minuted. Um, the reason for that is because how often do you get to an end of a project and the client will say, well, no, I, I told you I didn't, I didn't want the socket over there. I wanted... Um, I wanted it over there, I did tell you that, or you know, that happens, doesn't it? Because maybe the client thinks they've told you something and they haven't, or maybe you've just forgotten. So minute your meetings and and assign responsibilities to you know the architect or the client or to yourself if that needs to be done and track those changes. Also you want to manage expectations with timeline. So set out a clear timeline for your clients and I would consider having at least two timelines, one timeline in-house for yourself. So maybe you've got a 30-week project. So you think it's going to take you guys 30 weeks. So you would have a, a, a Gantt chart and a, a timeline schedule for 30 weeks in-house. But maybe the client doesn't get that same Gantt chart. Maybe the client gets a 35-week Gantt chart, for example. So um, so what do they say? Under-promise and over-deliver. So that, that could save you a bit of stress if the project starts to run over slightly. You've got um, a bit of cover there. So there are a few things that you want to do with the client. Manage those expectations with um, the client. And that's going to save you a lot of stress as you go forward. Now, just going back to timelines, just to go into a bit more detail in that, it's it's really crucial, absolutely crucial, that you do take the time to prepare a Gantt chart for your projects, especially the longer projects, because slippage is huge. It's absolutely huge, and it will really hit your profit margins if you allow your projects to slip. Just to give you an example of that, if your projects go over, let's imagine your projects go over by 10% regularly. Now, I know <laughs> maybe your projects go over a lot more than 10%, but let's say uh, a 30-week project goes over by three weeks. Now, if you keep slipping 10%, on all your projects throughout the year. Let's imagine you're forecast to do a million pounds worth of work in a year. If you've got 10% slippage, you're only gonna do 900,000 pounds worth of work in that year. So that's 100 grand you're missing out on just for a 10% slippage on your sites. And that's huge, that 100 grand. You know, if you're on, I don't know, 30% net profit, you know, you've got 30,000 pound profit there that you've missed out on because of that slippage. So it's crucial that you do a Gantt chart and there's no point just doing the Gantt chart. You, you get the Gantt chart done, you put it up on the site, let everyone see it. Um, all, the, all the trades, I think it's absolutely vital that everyone is um, responsible for that Gantt chart and then make sure it's monitored. 
every single week that Gantt chart needs to be looked at. Are we on time? If we're not on time, then who do we need to bring in? What resources do we need to bring in to make sure we're back on time? Um, monitor that with your project manager or your, your site foreman. Uh, have a look at crucial uh, time indicators when you need to be ordering materials. Make sure they're linked to the Gantt chart. You may even want to link to the Gantt chart payments. So that helps you forecast your cash flow. So you could say, right, when we hit this stage, when Brickworks reach roof height, we get another £30,000. And when the roof's finished, we get another £10,000. So you could even link it back, link that Gantt chart back to the the initial cost tracking that you've done. And now you've got a full uh, cash flow forecast of, of when you're going to be earning your money on your project. So that's going to serve you really well as you go through. So keep tracking your timeline. It's a fluid document. You do need to keep updating it. So if you start falling behind, um, update the timeline, have the original timeline there and then the live timeline and then try and bring it back if you can, You know, get more resources on if you can or, or try and shorten phases if possible, overlap phases if needed. But it's really crucial you, you don't allow slippage on your projects if, if possible because that's certainly gonna cost you. So it's, it's quite easy to do timelines. You'll find it if you're using um, estimators, some of them provide timelines for free when they're pricing out projects. They've got software that does that, so that's that's easy to use. Or you can use tools like uh, Instagant. Um, that's a, a useful project management tool for, for planning out your timeline. So lots of apps that will do this, but don't put it off. Make it part of your routine every single week to, to monitor that timeline. One other thing that you need to be preparing beforehand just to make the site run easier is your health and safety documentation. Again, it's something that can often go by the wayside um, depending on the, the culture of the, the company and the business owner. Some companies are absolutely brilliant at health and safety. Others, it's, it's shocking. Um, you know What is health and safety, some might ask. But it's crucial, again, if you're doing big projects, the health and safety's got to be in there. As a director, you're responsible. Um, heavy fines, even imprisonment uh, as a director of a business if something goes wrong, if someone you know died on one of your sites and you were safety negligent, you didn't have health and safety in place, then you as a director could be held accountable for that. So you know we don't want to be taking that risk in business. It's, it's really important. We take health and safety seriously. So get your health and safety prepared beforehand. Get it done and filed away. Even if you can get someone else in the business that can be trained up in that, someone in admin, it's not something. It's not a task a director should be doing, but um, you know, get a, a, a pack pre-prepared, like a site safety folder that um, is the same every time. You know, it's just sometimes it's the same documents that go in that. So get that fully prepared, and then make sure you link again your health and safety to your phases when you're doing foundations. Have you got uh, uh, RAMs for that? You know, your risk assessment and method statements. There's lots of programs online that will help you out and do this quickly for you. But just just get a policy in place of doing that and get it prepared before the project starts. Um, and that's gonna really serve you well. And then just keep monitoring it as you, as you go forth. So there are a few things there just to give you a few ideas on what you need in place. Um, there's lots of other things to, to help your site set up. I, I guess that the other things you wanna be thinking about is making sure you've got document storage. Um, sorted beforehand what is your procedure for document storage is it all going to go are you going to be digital is it all going to go into dropbox or OneDrive or you know google drive whatever it is that you're going to use 
Make sure all the documents are uploaded, all the drawings. Um, have you got a drawing register so that when drawings are updated, can that register be updated so everyone knows the latest drawings that are gonna be working from? Things like that you wanna be, you really wanna be thinking about. You wanna deal with your variations. So have a plan in place on how change orders attract and variations. Um, Again, there's simple apps you can use to, to send documents quickly that can be signed by clients or architects. So make sure that that procedure's in place and that's um, accounted for and detailed for with the client. So things like that can be, can be useful too. Think about how you're gonna deal with snags on the project. Have you got a, a, a software app that you can take pictures of snags and, and a description so they can sit there until they're, they're marked off? How are you gonna deal with quality control? Have you got sign-off sheets so that when a stage is finished, um, you've got sign-off sheets so to, to check things. You might say, right, have we checked it for plum? Have we checked this? Have we checked that? And that can be a simple sign-off sheet that a project manager can, or the tradesperson can go around and tick off. Then the project manager can go around and tick it off. And if needed, the architect can, can go and do the same. So all these sort of things, this all takes time. You might be listening to this and think, wow, that's... Uh, a lot of extra paperwork, you've, uh, you've just put a burden on us, Greg, there. Um, and it is, there, there, there is extra paperwork and it is more hassle to do these things, but it's worth it. It's If you're gonna run a professional company and you wanna, your, your projects run into time and you want them run into budget and you wanna lock in that profit, you've gotta do this. You know, as you, as you start scaling up your business and you're taking on these bigger projects, this is, you know, real foundational stuff that's gonna serve you well going forward. So I hope that helps a little bit, just thinking about um, how you can potentially do that. Reach out to me if you think there's some uh, some steps that I've forgotten there. I'm sure there's a few bits and bobs that I haven't included. Maybe there's other bits that you do in your sites. It'd be interesting to know how you do that. Let's share the knowledge because it's useful for everyone. But I hope that helps in, in some way in just ensuring that your sites run to time, they run to budget, and uh, they're nice and organized and not chaotic. See you on the next one. you'd like to work with me to fast track your construction business growth then reach out on www.developcoaching.co.uk